Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Your hair looks nice today, too. Don't want to ruin it. All right, cheers. Thanks. Yeah, and you got I appreciate that. I feel like I look like f***ing Chucky from Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. All right, okay. Yeah, you got the, the ear pierce, too. Yeah, I've had it for a while, to be fair, but I don't think many people noticed. And then I didn't wear it for a while and then put it in and then took it out. And well, Yeah. I want to know what inspired it. Um... Rock and roll over the ages. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> me trying to be a rock star. Yeah, I know. I just, I just, thought, I thought it suited me, so I went for it. I my like assistant it. was getting her ear pierced, and I just said I had a, like my ear pierced from years ago, and uh, I just asked the girl, "Was it still open?" And she said, "Yeah, it is." And I said, "Right, we'll stick something in there." <laughs> and it was <laughs> simple as, to be honest. No real got, meaning to it. And now you got a little hoop. Yeah, a little hoop. By the way, hello, beautiful human. Hello there. We got Dan here. We hey. welcome Not Hard. Oh, hello, hey, hello, hello, hello. Hey. He's back. It's been a while. Dude. I'm sad about it. Because I, 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 I do enjoy this. Well, I, I thank you so much for taking the time and giving us energy today on a huge, huge day. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like it's been two years or 730 <laughs> days? Is it? Since you've released this town? <laughs> there we go. Um... It feels that long ago since I released that, yeah. That it feels longer even. Yeah, I like that 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 was I was a boy then. But do you <laughs> really do you see it that way? Because it is a, it, obviously the whole Flickr era. Mm. It is meaningful. It, it is your oh, yeah. it, it's a whole chapter in your life. So do you see yourself as a a kid then and a man today? Yeah, I guess it was the start of manlyhood. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think uh uh, Flickr's a, a, such an important thing. I was only thinking about it. I realized how important it was, like, recently, because I was listening to my new stuff in bed, and then I started picking up my phone and tweeting, thinking, you know, you start getting emotional lying in bed. But I was thinking, yeah, like, that's exactly how I felt at the time, you know, emotionally, musically. Still, I'll always be that way, musically inclined, because that's exactly what I'm known for. But just picking up an acoustic guitar and singing little acoustic ballads and stuff like that, and that's how I wanted to announce myself onto the scene, if you like, as a solo artist. Uh, I feel like I didn't expect it to be as successful because that type of music I thought would struggle. You know, in a world of every five minutes, someone's got a new song out and it's mainly R&B based, you know, so the odd acoustic stuff maybe stands out. But it's- the world needed it. We were missing it. It was the perfect amount of nostalgia and present. <laughs> In an entire album, that's thank you. <laughs> I, I really I believe that, and 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 I grew up on that style of music, going way yes. way 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 back. Same, yeah. And my mom still is listening to Flickr, Good. hard CD. Yes, in her car every day. That's my woman. It's and she's couldn't be more excited for what's about to come. When what is Flickr proved to you? Does it prove that you could do this? Or what you're doing is right? Yeah, no, it proves that just be you because there's so many, I'm sure, there, I don't know of many, but I'm sure there are stories of artists or labels signing artists and forcing them down some sort of path subconsciously. And I was so lucky that everybody knew what type of record I was going to make before I even opened my mouth. You know, I don't think anyone was shocked really when I released This Town because I was always known as the little fellow with the acoustic guitar. Um... <laughs> So when I brought it out, I don't think many people were crazy shocked. They were just, like, the songs were quite, as you say, nostalgic songs. So I think people, that's what people liked. Um, but we're moving on to the next chapter now, and it's going to be fun. What do, you lear- what do you learn from the first chapter that you take with you into the second? I learned that people still crave that type of stuff. Okay. I mean, you know, we all still love Ed Sheeran's that first album. We all still, because that was what we were craving at the time. Uh, just him and an acoustic guitar things have obviously developed and same, you know same with all these artists that have gone on to do different things we all still crave that everyone craves that piano ballad or that pick up an, you know that acoustic moment um, and yeah that's what I've learned and I've just learned over the year when I toured for the year I just remember like about 50 or 60 shows in just going now I know what I need to do next like you're looking out at the crowd every night, you see it on their faces, what makes them sad, what makes them happy, what makes them jump, what makes them want to rip the roof off the arena or whatever. 
and what makes you want to do the same. And I found that the rockier stuff was stuff that I was leaning into a little bit more and stuff that like really brought the energy out in the show. So I thought if I do a little bit more of an up-tempo thing, this next album, there'll be a nice little combination when I go to tour the next time of mellow and acoustic and then this kind of rockier thing, which you're about to hear, obviously. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. That is the first record. Yes. And obviously it, it sets a tone, it sets a sound for what's to come. Somewhat, yeah. I would just say that I've been leaning in on that kind of 80s, 90s rock thing a little bit more. I think in, it's a good development in my eyes of the sound of slow hands, you know, where big bass line, big heavy drums, um, a guitar riff of some sort, um, and just kind of playing around with that 80s kind of, that 80s, 90s period, uh, which were all kind of heavily influenced if you were born in, around our time. And... Yeah, so that's where I think it's starting to lean towards a little bit. Obviously, it would not be <clears throat> a project of mine if it didn't have a good batch of ballads because <laughs> I kind of I, I enjoy writing those types of songs and I think if people really attach themselves to it. But yeah, what? I think that's a good start. How does a and we're going to dive into Nice to Meet You, but how does a song in general start for you? Does it start with a lyric? Does it start with hearing a baseline? Does it mm-hmm. start with an experience that you go through? Depends. Most ballads start on experience and you can just, if the raw, if the emotion is raw enough, you can just spew out lyrics and they just come out as you sit down and or pick up a guitar or, you know, I just, they, I find them a lot, e- like I don't want to say, no song's easy to write unless it comes in 10 minutes, but them kinds of songs are easy, they come easier, you know, because they're, they're relatable lyrics. Yeah, and they're true feelings. Yeah, and they just come out, like I'm sure you've had people in here it will tell you the exact same thing. The sadder songs, people love being sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're, they're, it's true. I feel like they love talking about being sad sometimes. Exactly. Everyone does. Yeah. I feel like people are better at talking about being sad than they are about being happy. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, if you don't like talking about being sad, you like listening to sad songs because then you feel like somebody's connecting exactly. with you and understands you. Exactly what you said. And people really do attach themselves. Like That's why... When I write a sad song, the first question I get asked everywhere I go is, right, who's it about? <laughs> Which I is my least favorite thing because I've written that song. It's kind of like me. My, I'm lucky I have the ability to write my feelings down pen and paper. And I get to do that. And then luckily, another part of my luck is that I get to release the song to, you know, thousands of people or whatever. And then, but the best part about it is people get to then make the song about them. Yeah. Instead of worrying about what it's about, about what it's actually about. That's because hard. I had a song called, well, my last album, the, the title track Flicker. And people, I look into the crowd every night and people just bawl their eyes out when I would sing it. And not because I was so good at it, but it's because it has that, <laughs> that lyric where it's just like, they don't have to know what it, they still to this day don't know what the song's about. But they've attached it to something in their lives and made it their own. And that's the best part for me. What is it? Can you describe that feeling? Like, does it justify the heartbreak that you went through? Does it make that heartbreak better? Does it, because obviously you need to go through some mm. to get a record like Flickr. Yeah. It, it, 100%. You have to, yeah, as I said, it's like my way of venting. Yeah, I mean, like if you were, I would never talk about it out loud. So I've got a guitar and a piano for that. It's a therapy session. Mm. Writing the record. Effectively, yeah. <laughs> Zach Sang Show. Hey, beautiful human, real quick. If you're considering going back to school, you should ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits that you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University could be the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers 200 highly ranked degree programs, 100% online. You're going to earn the same degree as you would on campus from wherever you are on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. If you want more information, text my name, Zach, to 35517. That is Zach to 35517. So you can learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 87% of ASU grads are recruited within, 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 within 90 days of graduation. That's a big number. 87% of the graduates, they get a job in 90 days. Learn to grow, learn to succeed. 
and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU online degrees, text Zach to 35517. That is Z-A-C-H to 35517. Knowledge is power. Zach Sancho. My thing is like, you go through a lot of to get the record, and obviously that matters, but knowing the impact that it has on people's lives, mm-hmm. does that, I don't know, when you look back on what the song's about, do you look back at it in a happy light, in a sad light? Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, because now you see the impact that yeah. it has and how much good it's done and the connection it's mm-hmm. brought out in people. I like to think of the song as my song until it's released. You know, I spend... Say, for instance, I wrote a ballad in October last year that's going to be released on an album next year or maybe this year as a single. And, like, I've been living with that song for so long that I'm ready for it not to be mine anymore. So when it gets released, it becomes everyone else's feeling and not just mine. So do you totally distance yourself from that? I try to, yeah. I mean, there's going to be times, you know, like you have days where you're like, ah, that song still gets me. I mean, it's like looking at a photo of someone. Someone said it to me earlier. It's like looking at a photo of an ex or something like that. Sometimes it still gets you no matter how long the time is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's a good way. If you were like, I see release day is like, all right, your tune. You make it into your your thing. How do you know when it's ready to let go of a a song? (laughs) When the label say we're releasing it. (laughs) 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 No, no, like, honestly, though, it's... you know, I'd literally say it like that. Just bang, here. You you guys have it now. You stand at the gigs and make it your own and connect with the record, hopefully. But it, luckily it, enough, it's worked out so far. Every time I turn around, you disappear. Yeah. I mean, great record. Mm-hmm. slaps. <laughs> and the lyrics are great, man. Live instruments, obviously important to the way you create. 100%. Are you writing lyrics while somebody's on a guitar piano? Like, can you give me the vibe of the room yeah. when you craft this song? This song was different. I'm usually like quite a narrative songwriter where I tell the story chronologically, as you can usually tell. By, like my first verse and my second verse are usually the two ends of the spectrum. But this one was kind of like, it was on a day where nothing was happening. And I just picked up the electric guitar and was messing around with some pedals on the floor and stuff and then just started playing that main riff and everyone was just like which is quite a simple riff it's i need two fingers for it and it's on one string <laughs> like it's it's a pretty like most of the greatest riffs of all time are pretty straightforward stuff because that's what they're simple and they're effective um i was literally in sweet green around the corner a few minutes ago and Dreams came on by Fleetwood Mac, and I just heard. <laughs> I mean, anyone can play that, even if you don't play a guitar, and it's so simple, but it's the most effective thing in the world. Yeah, you remember forever. I know. But so, does your fingers just go there naturally? Are you f-ing around before you get there? I'm just kind of playing around like I would, like picking up a guitar. And the first thing you do is play. I don't know. Just I just went. And I've been playing that same type thing. I always check if. My E string is in tune by doing something like that. Like, <laughs> like play, checking if it's in tune. So I was coming up here. And I started playing around. And that came. And then Julian, who I was writing with his ears, just went, Whoop, we need to write to this. And it was just like a turning point in the day. And then it was all about, it was not so much about what the song was about. It was more, let's sing all your, like I literally had an SM7 like this <laughs> in my hand without the lovely stand. <laughs> and I was running around the room just going, nice to meet you. And I'm going to actually bring out some of the voice notes because it's quite interesting what? Yeah, to hear please. that kind of stuff because like, it was just, get all your best melodies, park them, and then come back to them later and we'll stick a little jigsaw together. It was not, wasn't really verse, pre-chorus, verse, pre-chorus, bridge, double chorus. Totally the, free. The pop song formula. It was just kind of... Oof. But you hear that in the song, right? Which is, like, which I love how... Crazy it is, but in the best way. So you're just running around freely, shouting out whatever you feel, whatever you think fits what's being played. Yeah, it had like a '90s vibe, like a like a kind of nearly like I want to say like Brit pop, kind of yeah. le- you know less about like the grace of the vocal. It was more just kind of like you know, like very like <laughs> character driven. 
in a way. So I kind of just went with it. Do you channel something different within you? Do you I mean, Julian, the guy who was like, Julian, my producer, he was like, you need to stop. You need to slow down on the old uh, Elvis thing. <laughs> I was like, I'll have to weigh you down. Uh, giving it loads, but I was like, I had to calm down because I, I kind of was like up against the mic nearly in like Liam Gallagher mode with my hands behind my back and eyes closed and, you know, I like the way you talk. I'd just given it loads, but um, yeah, I toned it back a little bit. But I kind of liked, that's what I liked about this. It, it, it made, like, even playing that riff made me want to like nearly stand in a mirror like a 12-year-old and, and feel like a rock star. Yeah, so that's what I was doing. This whole song it ended up being one of my favourite days in the whole writing experience because it was just natural raw we waited for it and was were patient with it and it ended up being the single and there's parts in this song that didn't get written until about six months later we went like the part that goes one minute you there the next song uh, yes. that one we didn't write until April we had different parts for it and it just wasn't sounding right and then, and then we just kept going how do you know so you create it months earlier and you sit with the record for all yeah. that time and then in April you're like how do you know that it's not right? You just like the what, the way we wrote the song was get your best melody, park it. Yeah. It might be a chorus, it might be a verse, it, whatever. I don't know, but just leave it for a second. Then when we started to put the jigsaw together, it felt like that was the melody that was slacking a little bit. And then we'd listen to the record and literally be in, the, you know, sitting at home, take my phone out and go. I might have something better than that. Mute the part and sing over it, and then add lyric to it that went with the story. So then, like, I guess like it's. It is quite interesting to know how this is done if you're a music fan. Yeah. You know, I, like, I th- it is. But when you're there, it's actually quite tedious and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're challenging yourself for something better, right? Like- oh, I can't settle. For, that's why it takes me so long to do stuff. Like, I understand the process of people dropping songs every couple of weeks and videos and, con- you know, like, most, some artists now, I don't even know what single they're on, what <laughs> album they're on, you know. It's and, wild. I mean, that's just the way we're going now. That's the way it is. Um which is a great, which is a great thing because things are moving fast. But I just like to nurse things and be a meticulous freak about everything. But, which I understand because it's yours forever. Like once it's out there yeah. and it's so true to you, mm. I don't know you can't really take it back. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> once it's there, it's there. It's just there now. Nothing I can do. So when you were just singing random things, why didn't "Nice to Meet You" come to your mind? Like why'd you start singing that? It was on a night out one night in Soho in London. And there was this, uh, we were just uh, literally a Friday evening, met some of my, my friends that were working in town and went for a beer with them in the city and bumped into this girl I was got chatting to and she was with a group of her friends. I mean, nothing ever came of it really, but it was kind of like, I just thought the scenario was cool. Inner city, you know, she had ta- she was like covered in tattoos. She looked really cool. And we just kind of like, we got really, we got chatting loads and, you know, laughs and giggles. And then, but every felt like, 10, 15 minutes, I turned around, she was like, gone. She was like, we're friends, you know, like, didn't know where, you know. But because of that, with that area, we kind of kept bumping into each other across the course of the night. And, like, my go, you know, when you meet someone, I just, nice to meet you. What's your name? <laughs> Do you want me to buy, can I get you a drink? <laughs> and there's the first three lines of the chorus. <laughs> Literally. I mean, it's pretty on the nose stuff. There's no, it's nothing too much deep. Deeper than that, and uh, yeah, I just like the cheekiness of it, and like the scenario in my head. Like, I like writing picturesque songs. Like, and I always, every time I write a song, I always think of "Sex on Fire" by Kings of Leon. Mm. I like the I like the visual of it. You know, lay where you're laying, don't make a sound. You know, it's kind of like it sets can, a picture. You can picture it in your head, and I like when I'm writing lyrics, I try and put like scenic stuff in it. And this one just happened to be totally a reality. Just, I mean, just a night out. Did- I mean. It's kind of like a movie that's based on a true story. You kind of, you make it, you put in stuff to make it sound like, because it's a song and it's going out to millions, you make it, you change it up a little bit. <laughs> beef it up. Yeah, beef it up a little bit. I was like, you still don't have any tattoos, do you? Nah. Exactly. I so I read that lyric about you getting a tattoo. Yeah, and no, I was like, I mean, it's just like a good phrase, isn't it? Same with, you're probably going to ask me about the French thing as well. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the only reason I'm bringing up the French thing is because you get to ask me about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like, I mean, I've been saying, you know, people ask me, why are you doing the French thing? Because I want to take you somewhere warm. You know, I love the sea. Does not sound as sexy as, you know, I want to take you somewhere warm. You know, j'adore la mer. You know what I mean? The French thing just yeah. uh, spices it up a little bit. It's no deeper than that, I'm afraid. <laughs> you she mean, wasn't French. You, but do you use that in reality? Like, have you worked French, just a French phrase into your... 
I just felt like the the song was quite colourful. Yeah. And Julian said to me, I think we need to like spice it up, like uh, like just put a bit of colour in there, something that makes you go, huh? French. Why is he speaking French? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We don't know why. <laughs> we felt like it needed a bit of colour. It's like walking into your living room and thinking, I need a bit of artwork in here. This is boring. <laughs> I need to change my blinds. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> terrible. That light is horrific. We need to turn that off. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty much as straightforward get, as that. Get a sh- French chandelier. <laughs> I know, right? So, does this girl, like, do you even know her name? Yeah, her, yeah, yeah, I know her name. You, now you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, at that time, I didn't. I found out once, uh, once after the chorus, I found out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did she know that there's uh... No, no, I've got a clue. Wow. Have you talked to her since not, this? Yeah, of course. I'm not going to tell her, though. Oh. Yeah. Well, hopefully she, she doesn't come across this. Yeah, yeah. Nice girl. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Do you, is that like a part of just life strategy, not letting somebody know that they inspired a record? I mean, sometimes they need to know, depending on how deep it is, but I didn't feel this was very deep. <laughs> I felt like it was just fun and cheeky. And so, I mean, it started, the, the, like the start of the song tells you that it's probably not going to be. The minute a riff comes in, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you yeah. it's going to be deep. It tells you, like, just let's rage on. Yeah, have a great night. Yeah, exactly. Ma- I feel like pop music is... Totally lacking live instruments, so I say thank you on behalf of uh, all those people. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Really, thank you for bringing them back. Yeah, no, I, I lo- like it's uh, the last album I recorded absolutely everything live in a studio with a full band and did everything like that. And this time we did bits and pieces. We wanted to get the drums, the drum sounds right, and a lot. Some of them are computer generated on top of stuff we played. Um, I remember, like I used to be. Two or three years ago, there was no way I would have released a song like this because I was kind of always like, oh, I'm so rootsy and such a rebel, you know. We need to bring it back, like, you know, nice snares and... You know, like this. And then, like, Julian said it to me. He got seized. Let's have some words of wisdom, this guy. Uh, and he was like, you know, like, your favorite artists when you were young, they weren't, like, they weren't trying to, like, go back 20 years to find the drum sound. They were trying to get the drums that were big at the same at the time. Yeah. Like it's not like the, it's not like Fleetwood Mac sitting there going. I tell you what, let's go back to the forties and find a drum sound from that. They were trying to find something that was relevant at the time, which is so true. But it's also like it's it's how that's what I keep saying. Like nostalgia and presence. Mm. Your records and the, the both. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, we were trying to knit like the, the up tempo stuff. You know, slow hands was a great start, and <clears throat> there was kind of different types of up tempo stuff on my last album. And I think this time. I want to like kind of start nailing down like a, a sound. So when you know you hear me, you know that it's it's me. It's like if you hear Ed now, it's usually you know. like or it's you look so wonderful. You know, so I like the the two ends of the spectrum. But I like that. Looking for your own sound that challenges you because you can't. I mean, it has to be unique to you. Yeah, but I also like I like trying to find something different. Like I listen, I listen to a lot of radios we all do and you know look at the top 10 charts and whatever and just see what is not in there like look what Billie Eilish has done yeah mm-hmm. that's why we're all talking about her it's totally different because it's nothing she's she's been writing these songs since she was like 15 just waiting <laughs> you know she wrote a song called Bad Guy at 15 or 16 it's just it's off the charts and that's why we're talking about her it's wild but you're right when everybody's going right, she's going left, a totally different direction. She's done her own thing. It's everything she's ever put out is rooted in her authentic reality. Yep. It's totally true to her. Yeah. And then that creative process, like her and her brother. They, it's genius. They wrote it in their, their bedroom in their house. It's like yeah, it's it's the most talented family. Have you seen the video of her this week? Explaining her SNL have you seen that yet? Explaining her SNL performance where she's like got a box in her living room and like two little dolls. Like, just girl's a genius love it but I mean like when you see that authenticity always wins right yeah she is a genius but everything is rooted in who she is this next album one is it done Um, I've whittled it down to about 16 tracks doing a mixing thing at the minute I'm going to try and get it down a few more but I'm struggling with that Uh, have you realized if you're telling a full story with it yet I would say 70, 30, 70 real, 30 not. Like, I like to make up scenarios and based on a true story and kind of elaborate on them. But for the most part, yeah. Dramatize. Dramatize 
great situations. But, but like stuff worth writing about. I write like I'm writing songs all the time. So sometimes you might use an idea on a different song and it turned out to be crap. So you <laughs> kind of lose that idea and you fall out of love with it. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I think we're. I think I've told a story here. Yeah, it's all they're all attached. Some songs are written from someone else's point of view. I try and do that kind of thing too. So is that a challenge to you? Do you do that? Like, will you go into a session knowing like today I'm going to write about something that I lived through or today I'm going to write about something from this person's perspective? Sometimes ballads I are straight up. Like you can write them from someone else's point of view if you just want to twist it, but usually it comes out and it's from your end. Other songs are sound like I'm saying it, but I've written them from what I think is the other person's point of view. You know. Looking and judging you? Yeah. Is one easier than the other? Well, obviously, you don't know to the T what they thought. So you kind of have your own version of events. But I think it's quite a cool way of looking at it. And it also spear, it also turns your idea of what of that situation on its head. Yeah. Because now you're looking at it from the opposite side. I would say your own, your, obviously, your own feeling is a lot easier to talk about. But regardless, you learn a lot about yourself from crafting a record. Either way, yeah, one hundred percent. And the the album title will sum it up when I when it when it comes out. I'm not gonna. I mean, I, I mean, it's not coming out till probably February or March. I'm not gonna tell you in October. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's just giving away too much. Um, but it, it will make sense. Like the first one of the first things I ever wrote down when I wrote when I started this whole album process was the, the album title and I've still gone with it today because I wanted to write songs that summed up feelings from all the different feelings you have when you have a breakup. So so the happy days. The, the days like nice to meet you. You're like, I'm going out tonight and we are going to paint the town red. <laughs> and then there's the other days where you're like, oh. And you're looking at it from other points of view and you're going around your lover. So the the ups and downs of it. Is this inspired from your first real breakup or did you have many breakups previous and you've pulled from all of them? Mainly one. Obviously then there's scenarios that match up into both, you know, in both relationships that, yeah. that, that, you know, help you write the song. But yeah, for the most part, one, yeah. You've talked about one other record. Mm-hmm. Put a little love on me. Mm-hmm. That is, you've said it's a breakup record. Yeah. Yeah, so, it is, yeah. Um, but it's not out yet. We don't even know what it sounds like. No, that someone accidentally did a, filmed a clip of it and sort of ruined it. But uh, <laughs> I know I, this song is unbelievable. Like I, it still gets me now. Like still, like when I listen to it, it gives me goosebumps. Um, just it was the first song I wrote for the whole thing, and it was just like, yeah, it was really raw and tells a story, and then you put lovely strings on it, and that makes it more emotional, <laughs> and then. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of like Flickr in a sense, where like Flickr's still my favorite. It wasn't, like, I don't know if it was the most successful song in the last record, but it's just, it hits home with me, you know. When you're listening to it, what, are you transported to what was or that experience? Like, what what is it that gets you? Where do you go? I don't know. It's just, it's just like anyone listening to an emotional song. It just it, You don't go around going like this, do you? When you listen to a sad <laughs> song, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, just, you, get, you just sit and listen to every word and every nuance in the vocal and like for instance i re-vocaled it three times so and i've gone back to the demo every time uh, I, now that what you're going to hear is what i did on the day so, okay. i've re-vocaled replayed the piano redid everything three or four times and i've just gone back to what we did on the first day i wrote can i ask the first day you wrote it how soon after this breakup did you write the record about six weeks it's pretty fresh. Yeah, so fresh enough. And I was—I uh, just had sinus surgery, so I was also feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> I was sitting—I <laughs> was sitting at home, just with stiff up my nose, and <laughs> just added to the sadness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, so, yeah. what was the biggest difference between the vocal of the first one that we will hear and the other two or three that you you attempted? I'm sure there was—I'm sure it was a good vocal. I just it, there's nothing better than the first time you sing it. Sometimes it works. Yeah, you might over sing it. Like, you know, like stuff that's maybe not the best sounding like technique is sometimes the nicest thing. Like, for instance, my favorite, one of my favorite artists when I was growing up was Damien Rice. And Damien Rice, 
like he had an amazing voice, but he also left the bits in the song when he was like going out of breath and <laughs> rushing to the end of a line just to make sure he got it in and like little like stuff that you just don't get the second time. But it's a human, right? Like yeah. I don't know, like that that solidifies a relationship with me and the person singing the song. Exactly. Because it's not perfect. Exactly. And that's what that's what that's what that has. And even the way the piano was played and by my friend Jamie, you just will never play it the same again. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It could be Mozart that plays it. <laughs> you know, it just won't be, <laughs> we'll, we'll be right. it just won't feel the same. Uh, which is I mean, there's no real reason for it apart from it just I prefer it. You still listen to that record and get goosebumps. Are you ready to put that song out? Yeah, well, at some point along the next four or five whatever months, yeah, I, I would like to think so, yeah. It's too important of a song for people not to hear, I think, in my head. Are you still attached to it at this phase in your life, or are you ready to, like, kick it out of no, the I'm nest? all right now. I'm good with that one. I just like listening to the song. It's just that now I just see it as a song, which That's is great. I, li- I like that. As we saw, spoke about at the start, you just kind of yeah. get rid of it, you know? And you officially heal. Yeah, ready to go. Congratulations. Nice <laughs> what do you learn from golf that you apply to music? Nothing. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> no, I tell you what, it does. It chills me out big time because yeah. I'm quite like a hyperactive nut job most of the time. Uh, but like, I just like, go into the golf club sometimes. Like last two weeks ago, I was in London. It was raining. I just got in a golf cart, played 18 holes on my own in like two and a half hours. No music, no... You center yourself. Yeah, you just you know, me, a golf club, and a ball. Yeah, and loads of mistakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's okay. you just kind of chill, just chill out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, my dad does the same thing. My dad's been a golfer for fucking ever, <laughs> and he'll go and play golf alone. And I don't get it, to be honest with you. No, but I like it, it. But it is therapeutic because it is. It's you're out there, and it is silence. Yeah, almost. yeah. No, it's there's no one there, and I decided to play on my own, which is good. I like being on my own. It's good. You do that often. Yeah. Actually, but I, I play the worst part about it is I play my best golf when I'm on my own. But then when you tell people, they don't believe the words you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, good one. Fuck that. <laughs> you end up filming the whole game just to prove it to them. We go live on Instagram yeah. quick. Defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> what are you thinking over there? Do you feel like there's more or less pressure on you going into the second album or the first album? Um. Well, the first one had to be right for me to do a second one, I suppose. Yeah. You know, like... But the sound is much different. The, on the sound is one. different, and I feel like I've definitely put pressure on myself. Like, it's... You know... I've, got, I've just gone for it. You know, I've got... Nearly confident off the back of how successful Slow Hands was in a world where it probably shouldn't have been. Um, and I've just kind of pushed the boat out a little bit more and gone for it. Um whether it works, I don't know, but I, I just really like this. And the, the way I look at this song is, I, I, you know, I had loads of songs that I liked, but if you're going to not release a song for two years, come back with a load of noise. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's obviously, I mean, there's always pressure. Like, it's scary. It's the worst feeling in the world until people start reacting to it and you get a fair idea of how people are dealing with it because... Not many people outside of this room have heard it, you know? So you do get scared of just releasing in general because you like the song, but the millions might not. Um, (laughs) She's already downloaded it. (laughs) (laughs) And, (laughs) and, um, yeah, no, it's a a scary prospect. Um, But I just feel like I haven't gone to the point where you won't, no, it's me. Like, I feel like I've just developed the sound enough to be like, right, well, I mean, I'm not scared of that. That's still Nile. Um, and I'm I'm secure in that feeling. Um, I just hope people just attach themselves to the songs, not so much the sound. Well, the, you're talking about the lyrics, right? Mm, but just like, yeah, the melody and the, the song, the songwriting and the way we've thought about it. You know, like I explained there when we were writing it, we didn't just go, ah, we just, like, we thought, we, we tried to get our best melodies, we, you know, messed around with the lyric a little bit, spent a few months on it, and um, it's just organized chaos, this song, which I, I love. What stresses you out? In general? Yeah, no. in life. That kind of thing, yeah, just worrying about, like, if it's going to do well or not. I mean, you're only as good as your next record, <laughs> and, you know, like, 
See what happens, I don't know. I think you just said something pretty... I've never heard anybody say this in all the years you've been doing this. <laughs> You're only as good as your next or even your last record. Yeah, yeah, either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that is kind of the truth. I won't know until next week <laughs> if I'm as good as slow hands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you put stock in that? Do you put weight? In those sort of metrics? Yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, you're like, you think you don't. And then you wake up at 5 a.m. And you want to know. And, you know, you're worried about it. You're subconscious. You're, you're like, why am I only sleeping six hours a night or five hours a night? And then you realize. Yeah, that's yeah. why. But you don't. It's not like you're, it's just a subconscious thing. Probably dreaming about it and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not a crazy overthinker in general. I'm pretty fluid. I get on with things. Uh, you know, I leave that the overthinking to the songwriting stuff, and I can get that out of the way. But most of the time, I'm not. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, like it really hits me up. Are you one of those guys that will just sit on Twitter and scroll through the comments and see what people are saying about it? I don't get that deep. I just like, yeah, sometimes actually. Yeah, like, <laughs> so you sit there and you're like, you know, you're fair. But a lot of my stuff is like, I love you, follow me. You know what I mean? Um, so you do get a good feeling if people are like it, if like it or not. I mean, the core fan base, I think, will like this. Um, it's just you know it's it's also about growing your audience too. So well, that's it because you play to a bigger crowd. And to be frank, dude, you've made music on the biggest level mm. to ever to almost ever exist <laughs> many many times over now. Mm. So you care about that mainstream appeal. You care about Billboard. You care about media base. You give a shit about charts. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Like uh, I'm not an over. Like if I don't get a number one, I'm not going to be like upset. I'm obviously going to work to get it, but. You know, like, if enough people like it, I'll be happy. You know, like, if I want to do this for as long as I possibly can, that's why I worry about charts. Like, I'm not, like, in like in the moment worry. I'm just thinking about, you know, the bigger picture. You know, I mean, Bob Dylan probably made about 60 albums. I'm on album number two. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I can try and make I'm not saying I'm going to have a career the length of Bob Dylan's, but, I mean, that's the idea, isn't it? To look up to something and make sure that I'm, I'm still doing it when I'm, you know, 50, 60, whatever it is. You know what? I think about the same thing because that is pretty scary, right? You've accomplished so much, mm, but you're twenty six. Yeah, you're only twenty six. <laughs> so you literally, yeah, you have thirty years left, man. I. Like, mm. By the way, that's what keeps me up at night. Mm. Like, am I going to be as relevant as I am in today? Yeah. Two years from now, well, I hope ago. so. We'll have a drink to this in a few years. Yeah, hopefully. please, because it is scary. Uh, yeah. I, I understand that because all you want to do is do what you do best, mm -hmm. which is create art and create music and tell yeah. your story. I absolutely. Love nothing more than being on stage, playing tunes, watching people enjoy themselves, giving people their value for money. So the longer I can do that, the better. Do you feel like whether there's a major label behind you or not, you'll be making music no matter what? I give it a go. Yeah, I mean it's like, you know, if I'm still if I'm still prolific, I'll always have a major label behind me. You know what I mean? If I can be prolific for long periods of time, I'll always have some. I mean, I've I can't be with a better label right now. I'm so well looked after. Um, they leave. They kind of leave me to it. They trust me. Th that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I wouldn't like the pressure. I don't have it. I've obviously, you obviously hear horror stories, or maybe you don't even hear them. Maybe people have a perception that mm. people get like shoved into a corner and and oh, you, you need to do this and you need to wear that and you need, like. I, it depends I on. I don't know if it's a thing. I don't. I don't know. I've never heard any many stories of it. It depends on the artist, right? Yeah. And I think that's that. That's the biggest determining factor, right? Mm. Like, who are they the second they walk into that label and the second the label chooses to sign them? Yeah. And you, I mean, you are you. Yeah, I just, I just try and do me. You know, I don't try and, I mean, people always say, you know, oh, Niall, it would have been easy for you to, you know, bring out an R&B thing or, a, you know, straight down the middle. But you didn't do that because it wouldn't be you. And I, I agree with, this is probably one of the only things I do agree with is <laughs> is that, yeah. I, I couldn't release something that I didn't believe in. I'd just I'd rather give up. By, by the way, like you used the word prolific, you know, if you keep if you remain prolific, you'll stay with a major label. Being you is prolific in a sense. Going back to the top of the conversation and about the music you release, nobody was doing that two years ago. They mm. still barely do it, you know, yeah. because I feel like nobody can do it as well as you can. So, well, I like to think that people still crave that kind of stuff. I mean, the biggest song on the planet right now is a piano and a man's voice. Hell yeah! Like Louis Capaldi. Yeah, I mean Capaldi's like a legend. <laughs> Uh, he's is taken, he a legend or have you I made mean, him into a legend? Dude, he's the funniest man in the world. <laughs> he sat on that couch a few months ago and talked about how you guys are best friends. <laughs> Did he do that? Yeah. We, oh, no, we are best friends. Did he say it like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm telling you now, me and Niall are best friends. 
Uh, he's the funniest man in the world. Uh, that was really good. He's he. I called him. I Facetimed him the other day just to see how he was. He's, he think he's touring the country right now, and he. I called him, and he was wearing full American head to toe flag. Like he was wearing like a sparkly jacket <laughs> with a tall hat. I said, "What the f- are you doing?" And he was like, "I am America's next sweetheart." So I agree. On with the campaign, and I just looked at my Instagram a few minutes ago, and he's standing there. Number three on Billboard, the the role for the run for America's Next Sweetheart is well and truly on. Man is a lunatic, but I mean, it just shows you like all the, these songs are standing out because the songwriting That's people it. people crave good songs. Like I I did a thing where for a while I was like I need to write this type of song and it needs to sound like this and blah, blah. I like the idea of having a sound and I think I've got a line that I'm on but I mean I don't mind going left and right of it for a sec you set the parameters yeah and and people at the end of the day songs win melodies win I mean the, the, the most prolific two songwriters for the last 10 years have been probably Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran yeah and it's all melody and lyric based but, but also it's off- not production based authentic yeah. They're telling true stories. Yeah, like, yeah. Even that Lewis Capaldi record. I mean, people do crave a genuine human being on the other side of a record. 100%. They and want they want real. And also, he him, himself is becoming a phenomenon because he <laughs> is just... I don't think I've ever seen anyone more honest in my life. Yeah! He just posts pictures of him on the toilet and stuff. You know what I mean? I love it. I, can't, I don't think you can get much more honest than that or him walking down Hollywood Boulevard with a plunger over his shoulder. One of the, <laughs> the greatest moments I've ever witnessed on my cell phone. I mean, the guy's a lunatic. Yeah, he was, talk- he was also talking about how small his wiener is here. Yeah, I mean, you know, was he? I don't even know the words, some of the words. He's got great vocabulary, by the way. He's a very intelligent man. You can't be that funny without that much intelligence. Eh? <laughs> he, I, there's nobody like Louis Capaldi and I feel like there, there will never be somebody else like him ever again which is great he's totally and that's why himself. we love him yeah and he's got other songs that you'll probably hear on American radio that are coming up and like his next single I think the one that's running now in the UK at least is my favourite song it was the first time I seen him he had about less than a thousand video- views on a, a video that Vivo did where it was just him singing a, bru- a song called Bruises in a, in a, so a, a empty room and I remember seeing that and I wrote to him straight away. I was like, dude, I've I seen this video. You're insane. If you ever want to come play a show with us, no problem. He came in, in his hometown in Glasgow in Scotland and um, opened up and played five or six songs and the room was just... Silent. Definitely silent. It's, like, it's just it's, it's just people... That voice is just so powerful. There's n- I, anyway, enough about that fella. More about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm America's sweetheart. <laughs> You can share the title. <laughs> no, I, I, you're right. I've never been to a show that's been that silent before in my life. Yeah. It's wild. Okay. Nice to meet you. That is a single. Album's coming 2020. Mm-hmm. Early I, 2020, hopefully. I'm very excited here. Um, Me too. I'll send you some songs, actually. That's the next step. Is I want to get your... Uh, I appreciate your view. Yeah. My ears are your ears. Ooh. I share them. I'm writing that song tomorrow. <sighs> My ears are your ears. <laughs> you have permission. What are you thinking? Do you think your solo songs and your new songs connect with your fans differently than the One Direction songs did? No, nah, I think the lot like people like feel like the, like you listen to the lyrics and I mean there's certain songs that are like happy, fun, they connect that way. They make people jump around, they make people dance, they make people have the nights of their lives at gigs. Uh, and then there's the sad songs that we also had where, you know, like the little things and the bits and pieces like the story of my life and th- stuff like that that make people connect. I just think people just connect. Yeah. And then song, yeah. Songs songs are songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Songs are songs. Now the one question I wanted to ask is, do One Direction questions still bother you? I mean, I do get asked them. Every day, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, same answer, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't, I don't care. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here if there was no one day. So that's it. I mean, it's not going to bother me, is it? I like, really, but uh, yeah, I just hear them a lot. So, well, that's I mean, what I was I, asking. If everything gets monotonous, you know. Yeah, I feel like it's just the same questions. Like, when are you getting back together? Yeah. What was your favorite song? Are you still going to perform them? Yeah. It's like you're not going to get any new answers. No, it's the same thing. To be fair, I mean. And we always get asked them at a time when we're all releasing individual music. <laughs> like every interview that I've done this week is, you know, there's a question about it and, you know, 
Liam brought a song about three weeks ago. Louis brought a song out last week. You know, I'm bringing one out now. Larry's probably soon. You know what I mean? And then you get asked. I mean, I, I, I'm probably going to go on tour, so probably not for a while. But I mean, it'd be silly not like to answer the next part of that question is, it would be silly not to do it, you know? I mean... But you've given the same answer. You don't need to give it again. I, well, I, I wasn't like, asking the question. Yeah, I was no, just, no, no, no. Yeah. You, you, were, you were wondering, does it get annoying? Because every yeah. time I read an interview, whether it's you or anybody else in the band, it's mm. always One Direction. I'm like... There, what else is there to say? A lot. There's more to talk about. <laughs> well, there, I mean, okay, okay, there's a lot to say, but, like, how much are they actually going to say? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, you know as much as I do. So, I mean, we haven't just had that conversation yet. It's not like it, it's not like we're hiding from it. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an elephant in the room. It gets asked because it's like, oh, when are you getting back together? I mean, I'll, you'll know. You'll know. <laughs> <laughs> that should be your answer from now on. Trust me, you'll get an alert. <laughs> you'll bing, 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 bing. Somebody will tell you. <laughs> I, you know, I we don't even need to put. This course, in. By the way, that sounds quite an arrogant thing to say, but I think I think we'll know. Dude, you know. here's the deal. Uh, the first time I've ever been to a show because I remember the first time I ever met you guys was big time rush movie premiere. Oh my. God. Years ago, very soon after X Factor, like a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. ago, and it was the first time I had ever been to a show where, and I remember sitting in the audience, and I'm sitting next to Al Roker and Dave Duchovny. You had a great crew Al of people. Roker. Yeah, fucking Al Roker. By the way, he's America's sweetheart. Sorry, Louis yeah. Capaldi. Al Roker wins. He is, isn't he? He's. Oh, he always knows what the weather's going to do. A gem. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember sitting there and, and watching Radio City Music Hall empty out. No. The second you guys got off stage, I don't like hearing that. So I and, and that's okay. But when you say that the world will know when the when you and the guys choose to tour again, you are not fucking around <laughs> because they will know. <laughs> you know, I, I watch you guys literally. Yeah, it was a wild. Yeah, was, yeah, something pretty incredible. But Mad. by the way, the only reason that even existed was because of who you guys were as individuals. Yeah, the music had something to do mm. with it. But I yeah. think back then, like who you guys were and the fact that it was so different and that again, like you guys led with yourself, like your personalities were so distinct on stage and yeah. nothing was manicured or perfect. It was like, it was like the YouTube version of a boy band, you know, <laughs> like the vlogging style of a boy band. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, maybe that was, maybe we were revolutionary. I, think so. <laughs> I know. I just, I, know, I think that was part of it, wasn't it? It was like people atta- like, liked the fact that we were just clearly just, you know, five normal fellas that, you know, took a chance and just being themselves and I mean it just it was like being at school yeah, and it showed <laughs> and that's what people were attached to yeah do you, you think, still you go I want to say do you think that's why none of the boy bands today have achieved the success that you guys did I don't know I think the the successful boy bands I guess have always been the ones that you could tell see everyone's personality you yeah. know everyone knew everyone in the NSYNC or Backstreet Boys or you know uh, same with you know, with the, with the BTS lads, yeah, they all have an individual thing. I've heard you know what I mean? Also, colors, like huh? different colors. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. So similar type thing. You know, we all had a different thing that was good for a different person, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, many of the, re- the rest of them, to be honest, because I've been in the studio for about <laughs> a year. But I know the BTS lads have uh, they've taken over the world and. I mean, the songs are great, but, you know, that kind of thing is part of it, you know, that they all have an individual, you know, thing going on. Back to five normal guys just feeling like you're going to school. Do you feel like you're still a normal person? Yeah, completely, yeah. It's mad. People always say, how? (laughs) I don't know. I I was just brought up that way. I don't know. I never, like, thought too much of myself or just, well... Didn't think about it at all. Just kind of, <laughs> yeah, just be me. And just because you're like, that's why it's sometimes it's embarrassing. You see like people who are just really, as we would say back home, having themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really like, oh, he likes himself. Yeah, bragging. Actually, you, know, like, you know what I mean? Uh, I just. I you just, don't want to be that. Nah, it's not me. Yeah. So, which by the way is, I don't know, keeps you connected, right? Because yeah, well, you, yeah. you can get lost in this shit. Pretty easy. Oh, it's nuts out there, yeah. And and to be fair, it's been really good, like, of late. You know, I don't get the mad, you know, the... I guess, you know, I mean, our fans were the same age as us. Excitable 18, 19, 
21, 22, 23, 40 year olds. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it was just like, a, it was a, you know, it's, a, it's an experience. You go to a show, you, you know, you're, that's your part, you know, your life. You know, you're a, a fan. That's your job, <laughs> nearly. For when you're in high school and you attach yourself, like, the power of young, you know, young teenagers is unbelievable, as we're seeing on different cultural things now. But, like, when it comes to that kind of thing, to really get on it. So standing outside the hotel is just, like, part of their fan experience. I understand it completely. Yeah. You know, you're you're inside the hotel and you want to go for a coffee. You're 18. You're like, ah, let me out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you also understand that why they do it. But since, you know, last say, three or four years, it's definitely kind of eased off a little bit. And, you know, I can go to a city and have a look around. And, I mean, go, to go for a beer, but, you know, wear a hat and I don't get... I mean, if a few people come up, I mean, it's not, it's no problem at all, but, you know. But, like, you, like get, you get a new lease on life that way, right? Yeah, it's great. I love it. You know, I've had, like, the way I look at it is, you know, I've had relative success to the band. It's all very relative, very relative, <laughs> you know, compared to what, you know, what we did. Um, and it's been great. And I got to, you know, play to the thousands and, you know, read these stats of myself that are just nuts when people read them out. I'm like, what? You know, what Flickr did and what Slow Hands did and all this. And it just kind of goes... Sometimes it goes, woof. and then I also get to go to the pub and go to the shop. And <laughs> it's a nice balance. Normal stuff, yeah. I mean, it sounds like nothing to you, but it mean it means a hell of a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> you ever you ever look back at your life and just like where you are now, and you're like, how did this happen to me? <laughs> yeah, all the time. You know what I mean? Like uh, even here, like you know, you're driving past. The Hollywood sign, for instance, as simple as that is, you see it every day. But like, you know, the time I'm like, this is miles away from where I'm from. Have you seen where I'm from? I mean, on the map, it is that size, <laughs> little tiny little dot in the middle of Ireland. There was no way I ever thought I'd even get out of the town. You know, um, you're just as you're just plodding along with your life, and that's that's all you know. And then bang, here I am. Is, is there any Hollywood, part- baby? <laughs> do you what motivates you to keep going is it the want to keep this lifestyle going is it the want to just create music music what you can do to people by doing it yeah. getting up on stage everything that is the most addictive feeling of all time i remember like i hadn't been on stage for a while and then like on a on a large large scale like stadium level i remember the last one d tour was like stadium tour and then like didn't do anything and then did my own tour it was smallish at the time and then Taylor asked me Taylor Swift asked me to come out and play Slow Hands with her at Wembley Stadium she does these like guest appearance things of other oh, yeah. songs and I played went out and I walked out on stage and I was just like oh shit. <laughs> this forgot what this was like this is uh, the most exhilarating there's no feeling like it standing out and being like these people want all of these people want you to do well <laughs> You know what I mean? And you want to give it back. So that's the feeling that keeps you going. And also, I've seen photos of myself at three years old with a guitar and a microphone. So it's all I've ever wanted to do. And nothing's going to change there, I don't think. Niall Horn, thanks for hanging out, man. Thank you, guys. Thank I really you. appreciate you deeply. Come on! Thanks for the energy. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.